There's a new and better way to interact with podcasts. The Clever Podcast app allows you to bookmark, highlight your favorite quotes, and buy recommended products all in one place. You can listen to any public podcast, but we'll have exclusive Haas podcast content only available in our Clever app. So sign up for Clever today at clever.fm and do more than listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the One Haas Podcast undergrad series. I'm your host, Ellen, and today we're joined by our guest, Sue Song. Sue is a 2017 grad from Haas. She worked in customer success and brand marketing at a number of organizations prior to joining Twitter as a growth marketing manager. And she recently moved back to the Bay Area after spending four years in New York City. Excited to have you on and welcome back to the Bay Area, Sue. Hey, Ellen. Thanks for inviting me to the podcast. Awesome. Can you start by telling us your origin story and how you got to Haas? Yeah, like you said, I just moved back to the Bay after four years in New York, but I actually grew up in the Bay. I came to Berkeley not knowing I'd actually be a business major. And so I know that everyone has different journeys getting there. I was interested in business. I was also interested in linguistics. That's actually what I thought I was going to be majoring in. But ultimately applied to Haas. Thankfully, luckily, you know, fortunately got in. And from there, I feel like my Haas experience was just really defined by the people I met, the relationships I built. I was really involved in student government, specifically Haas student government. That really shaped my experience at Berkeley. And I also studied abroad. I know I covered a lot there, though, so I'm happy to dive into any of those areas. Yeah. Linguistics, where did that sort of passion came from? And are you still doing anything in particular with that? passion? So growing up, I studied Japanese for about seven years and I took Chinese classes. So, and I'm Korean. I always loved language. And so I had no idea what linguistics was. I didn't actually know it was truly more scientific. I thought it'd just be a fun course to take freshman year, but, uh, that class taught me so much. It was also a subject where I felt like there was such a diversity in terms of the students that would study it. You had physics students, a lot of actually physics students studying linguistics, something that people don't know. I guess it was just a great time for me to learn more about people who love studying and have curiosity and are not necessarily going to school to come out with a specific degree. So yeah, that was my experience with linguistics. I fell in love from that major prerequisite. So I told myself, hey, I'm going to take all the classes. I really failed at all the classes, to be honest. I was really bad linguistics potential major. (laughs) So (laughs) it was a good thing that Haas ended up accepting me. But even now I have such a big interest in working abroad. And I do think that studying linguistics and just having such a passion for language inspired that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and you spent some time, I think, in Hong Kong and you were born in Korea. Have you thought about spending even more time and perhaps working abroad? Yeah, it's a dream of mine. All my friends know that I've been talking about living abroad for forever. So just to take a step back, I studied abroad in Hong Kong. And I think Hong Kong was one of the first, or my semester in Hong Kong, and some of the months that I spent there, as well as like before and after, I I felt like the most me. (laughs) Because I always felt like from high school and from growing up in the Bay, like going to really competitive school, like I had to be the best. And that's a very common theme at Berkeley, right? 
everyone feels like they have to be the best. And going to Hong Kong and being a complete nobody, <laughs> like walking around the campus, walking around the city, no one knew me. No one really cared about me, like not in a sad way, right? Just no one knows me. It was so humbling and refreshing. And I felt like I found myself. Sounds dramatic, but truly that was one of the best experiences in my life going to Hong Kong and studying there. So because of that, I realized that at one point in my career, one point in my life, I want to work abroad. So I'm going to make that mm-hmm. happen. Got it. Wow. No, I um, didn't realize that studying abroad made such a big impact just in finding yourself and perhaps in your career too. Um, I feel like growth marketing is in a typical path for Haas students, undergrads. How did you avoid going through the ABC path, the accounting, yeah, banking, the consulting? ABCs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how, how did you get away from that? Yeah. I mean, you, you said it, the ABCs, right? When you're going through Haas, especially as an undergrad, Everyone says that Haas is all about the ABCs, and I feel like we kind of perpetuate that stereotype because we keep saying it. I I think that I would add one more letter to say ABCT because tech. tech, yes. <laughs> so I think that I won't lie. I think I I struggled with want not knowing what I wanted to do with a Haas degree, and I don't think I've ever told anyone this story. But actually, I lived in a house with a bunch of people from a business frat my junior year. And I remember that was the semester right after I come back from Hong Kong and I was not in business mode. You know, I was truly just coming back, trying to figure out what to do with starting Haas in my second semester and trying to figure out what my groove was. And I would be sitting in my room every night and hearing people practicing case interviews right outside my door. And they just sounded brilliant. They would ask a question and I would just be thinking in my head. I was like, how do I answer that question? They're like, tell me how many uh, marketing emails go out in the USA every day. And I'd just be sitting there and thinking my brain's just like slowly chugging along processing. And then I hear this amazing answer being fired off. And I think my senior year, that really got to me where I kept thinking to myself, oh, if I'm not able to answer those questions, if I'm not able to think that quickly, then maybe I'm not deserving of these kind of positions. I had a bunch of amazing, truly brilliant friends go into the ABCs. I just think that you need to figure out your own path. And at that time, I really wrestled with that. But yes, I landed in growth marketing. But my journey wasn't really like I came out of Haas thinking, oh, I'm going to go into growth marketing. I had no idea what I was doing. And like you said in my intro, I started in customer success. I think at that time, I, I didn't know the the breadth of careers out there. We don't we don't really understand, hey, there's so much nuance to what your career path could look like. So long story short, I started there and eventually moved into brand marketing, eventually moved into growth marketing. But I would say for for all the people who are trying to figure out the ABCs or T, it's usually not a straight conventional path and that's okay. What did you think before going into Haas? What did you think you would end up doing? Yeah, trying to think back. I think that I learned pretty early on that I wasn't going to be in banking. (laughs) (laughs) Process of elimination. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Process of elimination. I, I just had a few friends who were doing banking internships and wanted to do banking. And I saw that fire in them and I didn't have it. 
I didn't think I was going to go into accounting either because numbers weren't hugely my passion. I know that accounting sets you up for a variety of careers and it didn't seem like something that I was going to thrive in per se. So kind of eliminated that as well. So actually I thought I could probably do consulting. I also generally thought I was going to be in tech to be honest, because all my internships were in tech, but that wasn't actually the case in terms of what I envisioned my full-time career to be from the, from the beginning of Haas. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think a lot of people struggle with that journey and thinking through what they should try out with their internship and the first job out of college. It always seems so important at the time. And Looking back, it is really stress about it. Yeah, it is important, but I think people maybe stress a little too much about it. Right now at Twitter, I I know you just started, but what are some of the initiatives you're working on and what are your passion projects within the team and the firm? So I started at Twitter at the time of this recording. I've only been here eight weeks and I was actually just talking with my team about how it's surreal. I've been here eight weeks because I feel like I've really settled in and the whole cliche, like bring yourself, (laughs) bring your fullest self to work. I really do believe in it. And to the point that I don't think it's a cliche, I think it's a privilege. I entered Twitter knowing that the culture or what I had seen of it really resonated with me. And from a job description standpoint, I find that, and you probably know this too, a lot of times the job you're interviewing for isn't always the job you end up having because there's only so much a job description can really encapsulate. But in terms of the projects that I've been overseeing, I've specifically joined our global small medium business team, uh, Global SMB, and I'm a growth marketing manager on the team. And so my role lets me look at just the overall strategy for our business website. And in a nutshell, ideally help the business grow the number of SMBs advertising and presenting themselves and growing their brand on Twitter. And it's always really interesting because I think that when you think of Twitter, you think of obviously the social platform, but also social media has become such a prevalent part of how businesses run nowadays it's how people connect, but it's also how businesses sell. And it's been really cool being able to be a part of that growth and also actually work at a social media company and kind of see how that influences our culture internally. I don't know if this classifies a passion project, but I've gotten really involved with Twitter's business resource group or ERG, as most other companies say, Twitter Asians, a couple weeks actually into work. Twitter started offering a triple match for any donations towards specific organizations that were helping raise awareness and funds against Asian hate crimes, as we're all aware that has been on the rise. It's been going on for a very long time, but it's been on the rise. And, you know, as an Asian American and as an Asian American woman, I think that there have been times when sometimes I feel like I'm the only person in the room, right, representing my race my gender. I think that it was really awesome because a couple of weeks into Twitter, I was able to take advantage of that triple match, raise awareness with my community, use my social media networks to do a little bit of crowd raising. I've been getting super involved with our BRG since. So that is my passion project or what I'm most proud of from the last few weeks. Uh, apart from like the donation matching, is, is Twitter doing anything else or is your group doing anything else? 
for this initiative? Yeah, it's actually, so it's it's Asian Heritage. Twitter Asians is hosting like a variety of, we consistently have fireside chats. We have some things called sharing circles where employees can just mm. come and share stories. So there's been a lot going on, but I'm very excited to be a part of that and be a part of the the momentum. I think that at the core of it, Twitter Asians, and and actually for most employee resource groups out there, it's just to provide a safe space for people to connect and feel seen and feel heard. And what I've really loved is because even at my last company, I was pretty involved in our employee resource group. Got it. How do you think your identity as an Asian American female, how has that impacted your, your career? You and I know that is a, that is a big <laughs> question. <laughs> Being Asian American. First off, I think before I answer that question, I have to just say I am so proud to be Asian and so proud to be an Asian American and so proud to be an Asian American woman. And I don't necessarily know if that pride is easy for everyone. And for me, I think it's definitely been facilitated by such amazing friends, by my family, by community. But that is like the bedrock Mm -hmm. (laughs) for me in terms of how I approach my identity at work and how it shaped my career from there. I will say, I don't think it's easy being an Asian American woman in a lot of situations. I've been at a company where... I was quite literally one of the only Asian women Mm -hmm. and it was predominantly white male. And I definitely didn't feel as comfortable talking about things like even something as simple as Asian food. I think that as I've gone through my career, I've learned more and more at the end of the day, a lot of times what people say, it's not personal. And if someone says something offensive to you at the, hopefully in a professional context, it isn't meant to hurt you. Mm -hmm. But one thing I've had to correct about myself over the years is realizing that it's not necessarily my burden or my duty to take it about my appearance or my age or just the fact that I have an Asian name. There have been times, but at the end of the day, I come back to, I'm so proud to be an Asian American woman. I'm so proud to be Asian. And at the end of the day, like, No one can take that identity away from me, even if they don't understand it. So those have been lessons I've learned over the years. And in fact, being more vocal has helped me teach that to myself again and again, which it's, yes, I actually have one small story. I was at a multi ERG event a few weeks ago, and it was about 40 or so Asian ERGs at a variety of companies, a lot of them tech And someone in my breakout room, we had this breakout room of discussion actually said, Sue, I feel crazy because I'm always that vocal person and I don't want to be that token vocal person. The person always bringing up the issues, Mm. (laughs) the person always bringing up the microaggressions. And I actually responded to her and I said, Hey, actually I've been working at Twitter for at that time, four or five weeks. And Every single team meeting, I've brought up, hey, I'm doing this fundraising or, hey, I'm doing this multi-ERG event. And I felt that I've been scared that I would be that crazy token vocal person. And then right at that moment in the chat, someone on my team actually responded and said, Sue, we really appreciate everything that you do. 
and something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And it was a person on my team who had actually taken the time to be a part of the event too, because I had brought it up in a team meeting and I was just so blown away in that moment. Cause I think it was just such a gracious reminder that you never know who will truly listen and that more people listen than you think. And it's okay to feel crazy or feel vocal because most of the time it's just in your head and people will find impact from that. That's great. Um, I'm really glad to hear. It's, it's always good to when, you know, things you do are appreciated and are noticed. I don't That's know. That's what we look for. I feel like a lot of times it's one of those things where you don't want to base the work that you do off of validation, but mm-hmm. everyone wants to work with people or at least spend the most time of their days with people who really like truly see them. And I feel like sometimes we forget that part of that just comes with being yourself at work. It's so funny. It's just so hard to not take it personally, but it really isn't at the end of the day. It's not personal. (laughs) I feel like the pandemic kind of (laughs) helped. I sometimes feel so removed from everything else that, Mm. oh, it's... Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I've also felt that the pandemic has exacerbated the feeling mm-hmm. of, of it being personal because you can't read body language. You can't see people, especially when you're pinging them all day or emailing them. And it's so funny because it feeds into the whole, I, I don't know if you've seen this article flying around, but I feel like um, on Medium and a bunch of obviously because my job, I'm always on Twitter, but there's two schools of thought around exclamation points and smiley faces. And I think that is something I actually genuinely think about because I really want to be friendly in my Mm -hmm. nonverbal communication. But sometimes I wonder if it's out of this desire to not feed into something like, oh, I don't want to come off too aggressive or too pushy or all these other things that I think that are things I genuinely try to work on. So it's so funny because I do think that the pandemic has, again, accentuated my difficulty in figuring out where I stand on that spectrum, yeah. like go for all the emojis and all the mm-hmm. <laughs> exclamation yeah. points and don't have any and just do your bare minimum because that doesn't matter at the end of the day. This is, again, going to another direction, but it's good to be aggressive, right? In a male-dominated industry, you're encouraged to be aggressive, take the spotlight, and run with things. And that is something that I've learned over the past year and continuing to do, but it's not necessarily natural for Asian-American women. Um the only one at like a firm. It's not natural. It's, it's, I think it comes naturally for some folks. And I think mm-hmm. for a large majority, it isn't natural. And it's definitely practice. I had a really bad habit of saying sorry all the time. And my first manager pointed it out. And <laughs> it's funny because for a while, I would catch myself and I would aggressively correct it to the point where I probably should have said sorry at times that <laughs> I wouldn't say sorry. <laughs> But I think it was such a good exercise, right? When you when you think about, okay, what are things that I need to unlearn? And what are things I need to learn? But also, maybe in a few years, you'll change your perspective on that. Because nowadays, I don't actually have a super big problem when I say sorry, because it's it, it doesn't really bother me or it doesn't come out of it. I don't know. It's okay for your stance on things to also change over the years. And that's another thing I've realized about communication, right? Like, for example, who knows? Ellen, maybe in a few years, you'll be using 
emojis and exclamation <laughs> points galore, right? Because right. your work environment changes. And when I was client facing, I had a certain tone and style than when I'm now primarily internal and internal facing. I think that there's a different style you take. And I also think that's the beauty of a career more so than when you're a student, because obviously when you're a student, you're still trying to figure yourself out and aren't we all trying to figure ourselves out? But especially in a career as you switch teams or companies or roles, I feel like you just do so much self-reflection on what your working style is and you continue to build it and continue to change it. And that's one of the best things about working, or at least in my opinion, about working. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, that's totally fair. I guess taking a step back, is there anything you would change about your time at Berkeley Haas or even like in your career? So during the pandemic, our student government from the Haas student government that I was a part of, we actually had this mini reunion over Zoom. And in that conversation at one point, I think I said something along the lines of, man, guys, I wish I didn't study so hard in college. I wish I had more of a life. And then someone said, no, 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 no. I didn't study that much. And I wish I studied more. (laughs) And it was just so, it was such a good reminder that wherever you land in the spectrum of, oh, I did this and I did too much of this, or I did too little of this, there's always going to be someone else who's like, oh, that's how I wish I had lived. I think overall, I'm so thankful for the way that Haas shaped me and the friends and relationships that brought me. And when I look at my career, I don't necessarily have regrets. I do think that there are lessons that I wish I'd learned earlier. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest lessons I've learned in my career is that at the end of the day, it really comes down to relationships and building strong connections with people you work with. And I think that a lot of times when you're starting out in your career, you're just like, how can I get ahead? How can I get, how can I advance? You view it like college, but your career is so much longer than that. (laughs) And I'm speaking as technically as a quote unquote freshman in my career, right? We're still so young. We're still learning how to really walk this very long race. And so I just wish I learned earlier in my career that I could slow down. I could put more time investment in these really important relationships and that those people would be the ones who would teach me the most versus necessarily the projects I was working on. And I think I am thankful for a lot of the client facing I experienced I had in my first job. That's great. How about lessons from your time at Haas? Anything to share for maybe current students who are at Haas and navigating this uh, virtual Maybe soon, um, not, not virtual Haas environment. Man, I honestly have so much respect for everyone going through school right now. My brother's currently a junior at Yale and seeing what life is like mm-hmm. studying remotely, living on campus, but not having the same campus experience has been super interesting. And also, again, I just have so much respect for all the students going through that right now. When I think about Haas and I think about my years there, I really go back to, again, some of the relationships I was able to have with a few of the professors and just like what I learned from those relationships. And one professor that comes to mind, Professor Dan Mulhern, I took a leadership course with him. I just really learned so much from some of the classes I wasn't necessarily required to take, which I know that is a very common experience for a lot of people, but 
I learned so much from that leadership class and I built really great relationships with people I would have normally never interacted with. I studied abroad my first semester at Haas and I actually had siblings or friends reach out to me and they ask, hey, are you sure that if I study abroad, do I need to squeeze all my courses in? Is it a bad experience at Haas, whatnot? But I tell them, I studied abroad my first semester at Haas, but the remaining three semesters, I was still able to get involved in so much. And I I ran for student government and put myself in a bunch of student groups. And I still got the fullness of what I would have probably gotten in four semesters in three. And I think that can be translated into, let's say your first year at Haas was really hard because of this pandemic. Some of these seniors might be like, to be seniors could have been like, oh, wow, my first year at Haas was wasted or it wasn't what everyone made it out to be. But the remaining two semesters, you can still get out of it what you put in. And that goes for Berkeley overall. That's great. I'm sure our listeners would love that. All right. Any um, parting wisdom before, before we wrap up? Honestly, I guess for last words, I would just say that the pandemic has been such a wild and, and wildly different time for people. I think that one thing that everyone can agree on is that it's definitely changed parts of your life and probably changed parts of you. And I just say to the students or whoever's listening, as we transition back into more of that normal kind of pace and rhythm of life to reflect on that and celebrate some of that change. That's what I would say, because I think that I've been grappling with pieces of my personality and my lifestyle that have altered because of the pandemic. And there have been times when I've been, you know, just sitting on that and been like, do I like this? Do I want to take this back into a normal pace of life? Celebrate the change. Don't feel tied to anything that necessarily happened during the pandemic that you don't want to take back. But if you have changes that you didn't expect, it's great to celebrate them. And that's what I would end with. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. I guess let's end with our fire round of questions. I guess the first one is a seasonal one. What are you doing to keep yourself sane during this time? I am challenging myself with Caroline Gervin workouts on YouTube. Okay. If you haven't searched or heard of those, I highly recommend. They are killer. Awesome. And um, what content are you consuming right now? I recently watched a show on HBO Max called Made for Love, which is a whole parody about tech and dystopian and kind of weird and funky. So anyways, if anyone listening has watched that or enjoys watching it, please connect with me because I have a lot to think and say. All right. What is your productivity hack? Productivity hack is to... I think for me, my productivity hack has been to figure out what I really, really enjoy doing and make sure that I round out either I start my mornings with that or round out my days with that. And at the very least, you have one thing that you've accomplished during your day that made you happy. And the last one, what is your favorite thing about Haas or Berkeley? My favorite thing about Berkeley is it sounds corny, but it's how different parts of it are. And by that, I mean everything from its campus, which doesn't look anything like Stanford or UCLA, right? Where all the buildings look the same. Every part of Berkeley's campus is so different 
to its people and its cultures. I find that there's so many groups on campus and so many places or types of subcultures that are very different from each other to all the experiences that you can have on campus. That's what I, that's my favorite part of Berkeley, that it's so different depending on where you are, who you're with and what you're doing. Thank you, Sue. It's been a pleasure and um, I'm so glad to have you on. Thanks for sharing your story. Thanks, Helen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the One Haas podcast, the undergrad series. If you like our content, please like and subscribe to our channel and give us a review. You can also check out more episodes and hear from past and current Haas students on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on onehaas.org. Until next time, go Bears! Go Bears!